This is for the men who never settle. The ones who believe only quitters and a game and a tie. The type of guys who choose the bar with the biggest TVs to overcompensate for theirs at home. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Kansas Contractors Association. Your home for the Big 12 Championship is ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. According to a new national survey, most people prefer to stay in their homes as they age. In order to do so, and as their health care needs change, many will need at-home health care options to keep them healthy and keep them at home. Yet most adults age 50 and older have not considered the type of care they may need that would enable them to age at home. Now is the time to research the care you want while you're in good health. First, research the home care options available in your community. There may be government programs that can help, including PACE and LIFE state-based Medicare programs. Talk to your family about your wishes and where you'd like to receive care. Keep talking with your doctor about your health and consider the finances of long-term care and the assistance programs available. Keeping seniors at home is a win-win for patients, doctors, and healthcare facilities. Receiving care at home has proven to result in a better quality of life and better health outcomes. This survey and message are sponsored by Cross Country Workforce Solutions Group, the nation's leading provider of in-home clinical and non-clinical care for aging seniors. Attention. This is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-760-8196. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-760-8196 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-760-8196. What do you have to lose? Call 800-760-8196. Again, 800-760-8196. Auburn Wine and Spirits, offering whiskeys from around the globe, craft beer, and wine of all types. Auburn Wine and Spirits has been bringing our selection of 2,000 wines to Wichita since 2008. Right now, Auburn Wine and Spirits is looking for a sales associate. If you want to work in a fun environment with competitive wages and are at least 21 years old, part-time and full-time schedules are available. Apply in person at 320 North Rock Road or send your resume to wine at auburnwichita.com. This is Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Free agent quarterback Derek Carr has made his decision. ESPN's Diana Rossini is reporting the former Raiders QB is signing with the Saints. Adding a veteran like Carr is a good move for New Orleans, explains ESPN NFL front office insider Lewis Riddick. This is a perfect guy for a guy like Chris Olave to take his game to the next level. This is a perfect guy for a guy like Rashid Shaheed to take his game to the next level. You're talking about two second-year players that are dynamic wide receivers that are going to have a guy who's going to be invested, who's going to be there, who knows how to win. I love the fit. He's the best quarterback in the division already. Carr's deal could potentially be worth up to $150 million over four years and could include up to $100 million guaranteed. The Cowboys placed their franchise tag on running back Tony Pollard. If he and the Cowboys can't reach an agreement on a long-term deal by July 15th, Pollard would have to play this season on the tag. The NFL fully reinstated Jaguars receiver Calvin Ridley from his suspension for violating the league's gambling policy. NBA, the Celtics have ruled out Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams tonight versus the Cavaliers. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, GEICO makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. GEICO.com. Easy. You're listening to The Pulse with Pat Strothman on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Small town, big dreams, and a young boy the age of 15 had a premonition his city would get seen. Now I'm winning, get sheen in the city of the home of our hero. What's up, Wichita? Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Hope you had a terrific weekend. This past weekend, not so great for KU and K-State, but Wichita State's getting a dub yesterday. That was fun. 
But we're not going to open up the show that way. No, no, no. We have some breaking news to get into, and we'll certainly dive into that here in just a little bit. It's the Pulse on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. You can stream us online at ESPNWichita.com. We also have a podcast page on there if you want to go back and listen to old shows. You can also find us on the TuneIn app on your smartphone. Easy download there. Or you can listen to us on a smart speaker. Tell your smart speaker to tune into ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. I'm Pat Stropman. Producing today is Jack Johnson. You can give us a call at 316-669-4996, 316-669-4996. If you don't want to get your voice on the airwaves, no biggie. We can still get your reaction by using the text line, 316-247-0923. That's nice and simple, 316-247-0923. KU, K-State, Wichita State Thoughts, Chiefs, whatever. Whatever is on your mind, hit us up, 316-247-0923. You can also interact on Twitter, ESPN Wichita, Pat Stropman, Johnny J underscore 15. Message us on Facebook. That's also a cool thing, too, at ESPN Wichita 92.3. Your show lineup today, coming up in 20 minutes. I guess we can do a rewind for KU and K-State basketball on Saturday. Not ideal for those two squads. We can also talk about the Big 12 awards as we are getting ready for Big 12 tournament time. You can listen to Big 12 tournament action right here on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Shane and I will also be moving our shows to Kansas City. We'll be broadcasting live from KC coming up this week. Not today, obviously. Not tomorrow. Not Wednesday, but we'll be out there Thursday and Friday. Should be a blast. Hopefully the weather can hold up for us. Our Big 12 championship tournament coverage made possible by the Kansas Contractors Association as well as Enhanced Wellness of Derby. Thank you so much to those sponsors for making this a reality. Coming up at 245, state basketball is this week. And we'll do the best we can to get as many people on the show. Coming up at 2.45, we'll kick it off with Wellington girls basketball coach Eric Adams. Wellington 21-1 and this season. Wellington in the Class 4A state tournament. So we'll talk to him about the season coming up at 2.45. At 3.02, I would describe it as perfection for Wichita State men's basketball yesterday. Some would maybe disagree. But in one particular aspect, I thought it was perfect. And we'll tell you about that coming up at 302. Plus, you'll hear from Craig Porter Jr. 325, we'll have Cheney girls basketball coach Sarah McCormick. Cheney also in the Class 3A state tournament in Hutchinson. 4 5 battle with Eureka. So we'll visit with her at 325. And at 345 or so, we'll have a Mount Rushmore Monday with Jack Johnson. That is what we have in store for you. It's March 6, 2023. Hope you had a terrific weekend, and thank you so much for tuning in to us here today. And certainly we thank all those that attended the Wichita State men's basketball game yesterday. We handed out a boatload of tickets, and i got to say, the crowd was on point. So thank you so much for coming out, and hopefully get yourselves one of these koozies, courtesy of ESPN Wichita. All right, the breaking news. I don't have any sort of breaking news sounder, neither does Jack. Although one of these days, Jack, I can't wait to say breaking news and then you make up a sounder on the fly. But you're not uh, a musical one, person. Yeah. You're not a musical person, though. You can't be like, you're, you're just not that way. I can't see you being wired that way. But we do have breaking news. And it involves the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs are gearing up for the NFL draft next month. They're getting a look at all those prospects with the combine, so on and so forth. The Chiefs are also trying to make some tough decisions. We discussed this last week. You have Chris Jones. What do you do with him? Do you trade him? Do you hang on to him? Do you extend him? 
what do you do with Chris Jones? And if you do this to Chris Jones, what's it going to do for some of these other players? Got to address Willie Gay at some point, Legereus Sneed. What do you do with Travis Kelsey, so on and so forth? Well, one guy that we talked about plenty of times here on the show, he is in the news moments ago, breaking news, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are not using the franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. That is the breaking news. The Chiefs are not tagging Orlando Brown. Now, Brett Veach, he spoke to media members last week, and we play the audio for you here on the show. And Brett Veach brought up, looking at all options, he thought that the tag was going to be a nifty option for the Kansas City Chiefs. And certainly, that would make sense with Elena Brown, considering what took place last year. He was tagged last year. The dollar amount was was less than what it is this year. It's 16.6 last year, and it is 18.2, 18.4 this year in the National Football League. If you franchise an offensive lineman, maybe a little bit higher than that, but I think it's around there. I know it's roughly $18 million. Kansas City placed the tag on him, and that came after trying to get a long-term contract done with Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown said, thanks but no thanks. I don't think this is good enough of a financial security blanket, so I'm going to go ahead and decline. Go ahead and tag me. I'll prove to you that I'm worth a top three tackle salary. That's what he was basically trying to get at this year. There's no doubt that he had his moments, ups and downs. Maybe more downs than ups to some people, maybe more ups and downs than some people. Orlando Brown Jr. completed this year on the franchise tag, looking to get a long-term contract done with the Chiefs for this year, but we all thought that Kansas City very well could place the tag on Orlando Brown Jr. once again because if you put the tag on him, it gives you the ability to trade Orlando Brown Jr. if you really wanted to. But, of course, you have to find a trade partner. That's step number one. And the next team's going to have to pay him a lot of money. Maybe teams don't want to pay him that much money. So the Chiefs, they have decided not to tag Orlando Brown. And there are a couple reasons to why I think they're doing this. First and foremost, I don't think Brett Veach and them want to overspend on Orlando Brown. Brett Veach has been very aware of these situations, for like, for example, Tyreek Hill. He was aware of what was going on. Tyreek Hill is going to want number one, number two wide receiver money. We're not going to be able to give him that, so we're going to trade him away. And we, as an organization, are going to get five picks, and that's going to give us some more balance. So that's what Kansas City did. Chiefs decided to say thanks, Tyreek Hill, for all your work. Now you're a Dolphin and now we got to move forward so we can extend this window for championships there in Kansas City. Orlando Brown last year, I can't remember the exact deal, but he was offered what I thought was a fair contract, but Orlando Brown thought otherwise. He wanted to get paid like Trent Williams, who's the number one left tackle in the National Football League. To me, Orlando Brown has been too much up and down to really look at him and go, okay, we're going to use all this money on our left tackle. Because I think with Chris Jones, I think there's, I think there's, there's no question that there's way more value with Chris Jones than Orlando Brown, which is crazy to say because the number one player on that Kansas City Chiefs roster is the quarterback of Patrick Mahomes and someone has to protect his blind side. You would think the left tackle would be the next most important position for the Kansas City Chiefs. But really, I think they really view Chris Jones as that guy that they can keep around, and he can make that defense work once again. He's really the X factor, if you will. He's the one that does it all for Kansas City to make it all work for Steve Spagnuolo. So I can see them looking at the price tag for Orlando Brown and going, gosh, I just... There's just no need to go out there and shell this type of cash. And by the way, Kansas City, 
they're already $3 million over the cap, so they have to do some stuff anyways to try to get under the cap before the new year officially kicks off. My guess is they probably don't think Orlando Brown is a long-term investment type of guy. If they're not willing to to do the the tag, it makes me wonder if they really are truly going to make it a long-term contract. Because now it's going to be, at least in my opinion, at least I would think it would be more than $18 million. My guess is it would be 20, 20 or more for Orlando Brown. Now, maybe I'm way off base saying that, but I want to be surprised if that's going to be the yearly price tag for Orlando Brown going forward. I would imagine it's more than the franchise tag, so it's going to cost Kansas City even more. Something that I'm thinking about, too, is this upcoming draft for the Chiefs. They said at pick 31, and we've talked about this before. The Chiefs, if they really want a left tackle of the future, they're not going to get it at pick 31. At least we don't think that's going to be the case. You might get some guys with some upside, but I don't know if you're going to get a day one starter at left tackle at pick 31. At least not your your future left tackle. Now, maybe they've done the homework and they really, really like a guy. Well, if that's the case, they have plenty of picks to play with in this year's draft who says they don't try to package something together to where they can sneak in the top 15 to try and get their left tackle for the future. But now you're relying on a rookie left tackle, and who knows what's going to be the the solution at right tackle. Is it Lucas Niang? Do they bring back Andrew Wiley? What do they do with that right tackle spot? Because we still don't know that for the Kansas City Chiefs. That has yet to be decided. Maybe they really like a guy. Maybe they do want to try to trade into the top 15 to get this guy. Because at the end of the day, it will be a whole heck of a lot cheaper than Orlando Brown. Rookie contracts. I think that's the name of the game for Kansas City going forward. With wide receivers or whatever, you've got to capitalize on rookie contracts. Because you understand the investment at quarterback and some of the other guys are going to have to pay. So you look at those guys and you go, okay, well, if we continue to bring in rookies... You maximize the amount of production you get out of rookies, and then you either A, let them walk, or you try to trade away and try to get some value out of them. To me, I think that's one strategy to try to maximize this window with a generational quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the day, you do have to have someone cover his rear end at left tackle. Do you trust the rookie to get the job done? I don't know. I think it's interesting. Now, This doesn't mean that a long-term contract isn't going to get done because there's still a chance of it happening. But there's no doubt that the window, there's a small window. They have a week to figure it out. But then on top of that, you look at Orlando Brown, again, with the whole franchise tag, the dollar amount would have been 18 mil plus, just a shade over 18 million. I don't think Orlando Brown is going to accept the deal that is below $18 million per year if it is going to be a four-year, five-year contract. No, he's going to want 20-plus easily. And if you're not able to, or if you don't want to use the tag here for 18 mil, then it would lead me to believe that uh, they they are going to let Orlando Brown be a free agent. The other thing is, though, for Kansas City, the free agent market is very, very weak which is why it makes me wonder what else is going on in the brain of Brett Veach. Could could there be another trade coming? I don't know if there could be or not, but could there be another trade? But if you do trade for someone, are you going to be in the same situation? Are you going to have to pay someone a decent amount of money to be your left tackle? We talked about Laramie Tunsil on this program before for the Houston Texans. Like, Are we going to see that type of deal be done to where they trade for him? I, I think there will be a lot of money when it comes to that as well. And they've already shown that they are not afraid to trade. They, they traded a first-round draft pick to bring on Orlando Brown. And we all thought that that was going to be the, the tackle of the future for Kansas City, and it just hasn't been that way at this point. So that's the breaking news. Kansas City is making the decision to not tag Orlando Brown, making him possibly making him a free agent this year. Possibly. 
Of course, a lot of stuff can change. But this is certainly interesting. I'm trying to get into the brain of of Brett Veach and trying to figure out what the next strategy is for Brett Veach. Is it drafting a left tackle? Is that the, the deal for Kansas City? Drafting a left tackle? Maybe Brett Veach is looking at trying to move another high-ish draft pick to try and get another left tackle that way where you use him for two years and let him walk. I wonder what's going on. But if they're not willing to put the tag on, maybe they can get a deal done in a week, but I don't know. Something tells me that the number is going to be is going to be higher than 18 mil. And it also makes me wonder, too, had they actually placed the tag, would there have been a trade trade partner? And maybe they, there would have been. I'm sure someone would have taken the, the chance at Orlando Brown. The guy's been in Pro Bowls, which you can argue they're not as valuable today as they were back in the day. But the guy certainly has some sort of accolades to his name. The guy won a Super Bowl championship for Kansas City. How can he argue against the ring? Certainly interesting. Jack, what do you make of this breaking news with the Chiefs in Orlando Brown? I think it makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs just not to tag Orlando Brown Jr. I know it comes as a shock to a lot of people out there because you kind of feel like whether there's a possibility the Chiefs bringing back a big-name guy or going out and getting a big-name guy, you always feel like it works out for Kansas City. But this has kind of been the feel, I think, around Kansas City for the last you know, what, eight to ten weeks, just in the way the season has progressed for Orlando Brown Jr., it's no secret to anybody out there that he wants the big-time money. He likely wants to pay somewhere in the vicinity of where Trent Williams is getting paid, and I'm sure that Brett Veach is sitting up there in the front office and going, hell, I don't know if he's worth uh, that type of money. You don't want to handy or uh, handcuff yourself uh, for the next couple of years because you paid Orlando Brown Jr. that much money. I think you want to have more faith in your scouting department, through the draft, maybe through free agency with a lesser-known guy to give that money to. I know right now the the biggest uh, fear with this is letting a left tackle like Orlando Brown Jr. walk and then not having that immediate fix. You have to gamble on a couple of guys. Maybe you move up in the draft and take a, a guy in the first round that's a left tackle. I know that you like uh, the guy out of Georgia. Is it Broderick yeah, Johnson? Yeah, yeah, Broderick Patrick, Johnson. Yeah, I mean, Patrick's that's a, really, really good. That's yeah. a guy you could probably pencil in as a day one starting left tackle. The, the Chiefs certainly had the ammo to move up in the draft. But I think where I'm kind of standing with it now is Orlando Brown Jr. didn't do enough for me this year to warrant that big-time contract. He bet on himself Agreed. with this franchise tag, and if he did play at a level where Trent Williams with that, he would probably ask for more than Trent Williams. Now, if they do decide to give him the big-time money – I think I'd still be okay with it because you lock up that left tackle spot. But I also feel like with what the Chiefs have shown through the last couple of years and under Brett Veach, they can find value at the tackle position with guys that are not worth that much. I know Andrew Wiley didn't play at an all-pro type of level at right tackle, and right tackle is certainly different than left tackle. But I think you could also move a guy there in Orlando Brown Jr.'s spot and still get a lot of value there. Like Orlando Brown Jr. didn't dominate at left tackle this year where I think it would be a massive change if he wasn't there at left tackle next year. And I think that's what Brett Veach is evaluating right now. What type of change does it do to this offense if you let Orlando Brown Jr. walk? If you like a guy in the draft, hell, package a couple of picks and move up and get your left tackle of the future. If you feel like there's a guy in free agency that's more cost efficient than Orlando Brown Jr., then let his ass walk. I just feel like right now, he's young. He's been a pro bowler in his entire career in the NFL. He is a very valuable left tackle, but is he worth what he's asking for? I don't think it, it, it is in the ballpark of where Kansas City wants it to be because if they didn't give him that contract last year, I don't know if this year warrants that type of contract going into 2024, 2025, and 2026. Let me see if I can... Because this is all on the fly here. Let me see what took place. Yep, here it is. Here's what Orlando Brown was offered, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The final offer from Kansas City was a six-year deal worth $139 million with an average salary of $23.16 million per year. 
and a $30.25 million signing bonus. The contract would pay $95 million in the first five years. And Orlando Brown said there's not enough financial security behind that. I just think that if he said thanks but no thanks to that last year, I don't think there's any chance that the Chiefs are going to top that. I just can't see it. Because as you brought up and as I have said too, Brett Veach, to me, has done a good job of of playing smart. And being smart, he understood what it was going to be like for Tyree Kill. He understood that aspect. While some people would have kept him and gave him the money and they would have been handcuffed, he decided to go against it. Because I think he he sees the other other teams in this league. Look at the Rams. They were so so screwed because of the amount of money they threw out there. And if you look at the Eagles, they have Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract. Just wait until they pay Jalen Hurts the big boy contract. That's going to screw them up quite a bit. You're not going to be able to keep everyone on that roster, and it's the best collective group in the NFL. But I also believe that Brett Veach is unlike some of these other GMs who go, okay, we have this guy. This is what he's worth in today's market. We've got to give him that money because that's what it has to be. We have to just bite the bullet and make it work. Brett Veach isn't looking at this going, I have to bite the bullet. And I can I can say that that's pretty darn good if you're a Chiefs fan. You don't want to just give in. You don't. You don't want to just give in to whoever because you feel like, well, i got to have a left tackle, right? So I might as well go ahead and shell out the cash. Why? So you could be screwed in about five years, let's say, Next year, let's say Orlando Brown Jr. gets his contract and all of a sudden has the worst year in his career. Brett Feach decided to say, you know what, Tyron Matthew, you were a fine player for a few years. But I'm sorry, but the juice just isn't worth the squeeze. And I don't care. I don't care if they're labeling you as this. I don't care that they're putting something on the front box and telling you that this is the, the, the greatest cup of coffee. I don't care if they're if they're doing that. I'm not buying it. To me, it's not worth that price. And to have a GM that's in that position, you should love that if you're a Chiefs fan. But it does make you think about the long-term plans of Kansas City. I do think that there is there is flexibility for this Chiefs Chiefs roster. There is flexibility, and. One thing that you brought up, Jack, now I'm thinking of it, and I don't think they're going to do this. I think they'll be dumb if they did, but maybe this is part of the thinking too. When Orlando Brown got hurt a couple years ago, who played left tackle, Jack? That was Joe Tooney, wasn't it? Joe Tooney. Yep. I'm not trying to say they're going to take Joe Tooney and move him to left tackle. That's not what I'm trying to predict. That's not my hot take because I don't think that that would be a good strategy. After watching Joe Tooney play left tackle, you just just tell he was uncomfortable. But wouldn't you be uncomfortable if you're in that position? Anywho, Joe Tooney can't give you that flexibility if 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 that was part of the thank you for Brett Feach. Not saying it's going to happen, but they did pay him a, a good chunk of money to play left guard to go with Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. So maybe there's someone internally to where you go, you know what, we can go ahead and take Tooney, put him on the outside, slap on someone else, and, and call it good. I don't think it's going to happen, but I remember Joe Tooney filling in for Orlando Brown when that happened. And it just made me go, huh, okay then. And for the type of money that Joe Tooney was getting paid, I think a lot of people were really like, ah, I don't know if I like this contract or not. It's kind of like left tackle money. Well, maybe Joe Tooney could be that guy that slides over if that is the worst-case scenario for Kansas City. It's intriguing, to say the least. But i got to say, after seeing this news, after seeing the deal last year, with it being an average of $23.16 million, and Orlando Brown said no thanks to that, there's no way in heck Kansas City is going to get anything below that. Orlando Brown's not going to accept anything below that, in my opinion. And he's going to test the market. Maybe I'm wrong. 
But my guess, as of right now, the Chiefs will be looking for a new left tackle. Whether that might be trading for someone, and they, and then maybe finding value, giving a, a cheaper deal to make the cap work, or maybe they find a way to package something together, trade up in this year's draft to try to get the left tackle of the future. It'll be interesting to follow this story for the next week because Kansas City has a week to get a contract done if they want to keep Orlando Orlando Brown. They have a week to get that figured out. But based on what we've seen from Brett Veach, I'm not holding my breath thinking that it's going to happen. He's not going to look at something that has something fancy on the front box or whatever and it uses a, a word that really just makes you think it's the greatest thing in the world and it allows that company to make it $10 a box. He's not going to go, you know what, I'm not going to take this. I'm okay taking just a, a generic thing over here because I'm not buying that at all. He seems to find value in other things. We'll see if the run of Brett Beach can continue in terms of his wizardry when it comes to making it all work for the Kansas City Chiefs. 316-247-0923, that is the text line. If you want to chime in, feel free to do so. We're going to talk KUK State next. Later on this hour, Wellington girls basketball coach Eric Adams. Hour number two, we'll be joined by Cheney girls basketball coach Sarah McCormick. We'll have Wichita State audio for you and why yesterday was just so perfect for the Shockers and a Mount Rushmore Monday. That's coming up here before too long. The show continues after a timeout. Back with more. It's the Pulse on ESPN Wichita. This is the Pulse on Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. What does it feel like to be in Kansas City, the soccer capital of America? To hear thousands shouting as one. To see waves of sporting blue. To hug total strangers. To be a part of something bigger than any of us. What does it feel like to be at Children's Mercy Park? It feels like home. It's showtime in Kansas City. Sporting opens the season at home on March 11th versus the L.A. Galaxy. Grab your tickets now at SportingKC.com. How do holiday grill masters take food from good to... Wow. Kingsford 100% hardwood pellets. Made in the USA with North American ingredients and 100% natural hardwood blend, Kingsford wood pellets can be used on any pellet grill and add delicious, smoky wood flavor to any holiday meal. So look for Kingsford 100% hardwood pellets. Because with Kingsford, the holidays just taste better. Find at homedepot.com. Paid for by Christian Care Ministry. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-51-BIBLE. That's 855-51-BIBLE. 855-51-BIBLE. Hey, I'm Jackie. And a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit is the chicken. It is golden brown, so juicy, so delicious. It's the perfect savory start to my day. Hey, I'm Matt. And a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit is the freshly baked, flaky, buttery biscuit. When I take a bite, it's kind of like, you know, crispy, soft, crispy. Crispy outside, soft interior, crispy chicken. There's really nothing like it. Start your day with the Chick-fil-A Chicken Biscuit, available on the Chick-fil-A app. Real Chick-fil-A guests paid for their testimonials. 
Your exclusive home of Championship Week, ESPN Wichita 92.3. ESPN Wichita is bringing you a full week of college basketball action leading up to March Madness. We'll have exclusive live play-by-play of the Big 12 Tournament in Kansas City, plus the ACC and Big 10 Tournament Championship Games. And it all leads to our Selection Sunday Special to kick off March Madness right here on your home for college basketball, ESPN Wichita. 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Jack Johnson producing. I'm Pat Strachman. Coming up, we do have Wellington girls basketball coach Eric Adams. He'll be a part of the show. Wellington in the Class 4A state tournament taking on Bishop Miege. So we will talk to him about this year and his squad and how things have gone. They're 21-1, so something tells me the Crusaders have been doing just fine. So we'll talk to him coming up here shortly. Our number two, Cheney Girls basketball coach, Sarah McCormick. Before we get to that, though, I guess we have to do a rewind with KU and K-State basketball. Jack, did you watch every second of those two games? I did, yes. Okay. Well, unfortunately, you had to watch both those games. (laughs) At least one in particular. The Kansas game was less than ideal. For West Virginia and Kansas State, I had some buddies. They had this big thread, and they one person sent a message, why is West Virginia a five-point favorite? That just doesn't seem right. And this guy's like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put 100 down on, on K-State. I'm going to hammer this. Well, <laughs> there's a reason why Vegas is really good at making odds. West Virginia gets the win 89-81. to A couple of 24-point performances for Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Both those guys in the Big 12 first team, by the way. No Desi Sills in this one for K-State. And I did think that that affected Kansas State. Cam Carter finished with 13 points. David Gasson was 7. Aquan Tomlin was 6. But coming off the bench, you were relying more on Tyke Green. And although he got 6 rebounds in 24 minutes of work, he only scored 2. I feel like if Desi Sills is in that game, I would imagine K-State would get the job done. But here's the thing about West Virginia. I don't know if we really talked about it enough, but West Virginia was going to be the more desperate team. I know it's kind of strange to say that because Kansas State, there was a lot on the line for the Wildcats. You get the win, you're the number two seed in the Big 12 tournament. That's basically what happens there. You're the number two seed. You get the win, and you're probably a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. But Joe Lenardi now has them as a three seed after that loss to West Virginia. West Virginia was just trying to Add to its resume, trying to get that marquee win to try to get into the big dance. So you had a feeling West Virginia would play a little bit more desperately. And West Virginia was able to force 20 turnovers. It was an ugly game, I felt like, from start to finish, which is strange because there was uh, 170 points combined in the game. Usually if you get to 89-81, you're like, wow, what great offense. But really, it was kind of gross because neither team wanted to hang on to the ball. K-State scored 20 points off 16 turnovers for West Virginia. Meanwhile, for West Virginia, the Mountaineers had 23 off those 20 turnovers for Kansas State. And once again, that continues to be the theme for the Wildcats. Hanging on to the ball. K-State failed to do that successfully on Saturday in Morgantown. Marquis Noel had eight assists, also had six turnovers. He also was 7 of 20 from the floor. K-State hit 12 threes in the game. They shot 43% from, the, from beyond the arc, and you're thinking, hey, if that happens, then K-State's probably going to get the win. If they shoot that well, surely that would be the case. Eric Stevenson scored 27. He was 5 of 14 from deep, 11 of 22 overall. Had five assists and a couple steals. Trey Mitchell had 14 points in the game. Emmett Matthews Jr. finished with 20. West Virginia with three guys that scored 20 points or more. 
West Virginia was 51% from the floor. Kansas State, 45%. Wildcats shot just 39% in the second half. And for K-State, it's one of those games you're going to look back and go, ah, crap. (laughs) That should have been it. We should have gotten that dub. We should be the number two seed. But now K-State's got to deal with TCU, which, by the way, kind of scary for the Big 12 tournament. Also, too, in addition to Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, I know Kellis Robinette thought Marquise Noel should have been named the Big 12 most improved player and went to K.J. Adams. K-State did get a big-time award, two of them to be exact. Newcomer of the year went to Keontae Johnson, of course. And Jerome Tang got coach of the year, which, of course, that should be the case. Jack, quick thoughts on Kansas State. K-State just seemed rushed from the get-go in that game against West Virginia. Well, I think the simple thing to say with this Kansas State team, and it kind of goes the same for every team in the country, when you turn the ball over a lot, (laughs) it's not going to result in a lot of wins. But I think more specifically when looking at this Kansas State team, it's when Marquise Noel doesn't take care of the basketball because he is your point guard. He had six turnovers in the game. Cam Carter had five. Those are your one and two guards. Having 11 turnovers just isn't going to put you in a lot of good chances to win games in the postseason. And you go back over Kansas State's eight losses this year. I would say seven of those eight, Marquise Noel has four or more turnovers in that game. Now, he's always going to give you the points. He's always going to give you 12 to 15, sometimes even 20 and above uh, offensively. He's also going to give you about seven or eight assists in the game. He is, by all accounts, a game wrecker against most teams. He's one of the fastest players in the Big 12. He's all defense in the Big 12 as well. Keontae Johnson's the star. But Marquise Noel makes this team go. And while Marquise Noel is not taking care of the basketball, we've seen time and time and again this Kansas State team doesn't win a lot of games. Now, I guess that can also be simple in saying when your point guard, who's supposed to be the one that takes care of the basketball the best, is turning it over five or six times, yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games. But I think this has happened more than once where it can be a problem for this team. You know, going into the postseason, now there is no, you know, buffer where you can lose a couple of games and still get back on track. It's lose a game and you're done. You're out of it. And this goes into the Kansas City with the Big 12 tournament. You lose against TCU, you have a long layoff before you play again. You lose in the NCAA tournament, season's over. It's done. And I think for this K-State team, if you see them get to the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8, look at the box score. Look at what Marquise Noel does. If he's got less than three turnovers, I guarantee you K-State's likely winning that game. If he's in the five to six, sometimes even seven turnover range, they're probably not winning that basketball game. It doesn't matter if Keontae Johnson has four or five turnovers because he's so good offensively. He's the star. It doesn't matter if Cam Carter gives you three or four. It doesn't matter if the bench gives you a lot of production or the big men rebound well. To me, with this K-State team, it comes down to one guy, and it's how well Marquise Noel takes care of the basketball. And on Saturday, he didn't do a very good job despite his 24 points and eight assists or six steals. He turned it over six times. I'm sure Jerome Tang would tell you. That's the stat he looks at. That's maybe one of the main reasons as to why they lost, being sloppy with the basketball. Yep, no doubt. And that has been the correlation, I feel like, for K-State and KU a good portion of the time. But, though KU only had 11 turnovers on Saturday. I feel like we've talked more about turnovers this year than ever before. (laughs) And I don't know why. I didn't feel like that was such a sticking point last year. But this year, that has been the case for Wichita State, KU, and K-State. Kind of wild. As for KU, well, we don't have to spend a lot of time here on KU, Jack. (laughs) KU just got worked, 75-59 by Texas. Again, another desperation type of of, of play from Texas. Not saying the Longhorns needed that to get into the tournament because they're in the tournament. But, look, they just got done losing earlier in the week. Still felt like they had something to play for. Wanted to beat the number three team in the country, and Texas did it. Longhorns were able to get it done. And for KU, Jalen Wilson scored 23 and had 10 boards. But other than that, nothing else. Grady Dick was just 2 of 5 from the floor. Kevin McCuller was 3 of 8 from the field. Dwan Harris was 2 of 12, finished with 5 points, but just 2 of 12 from the floor, had 7 assists and 3 steals, no turnovers, but still less than ideal for Kansas. Just nothing went right for the Hawks in that game against the Longhorns. Their bench production, they get 23 from Serge Barry Rice, who, by the way, is a fun player. Really, really fun player. 32 bench points for Texas. Longhorns also able to win the fast breaks column, which is 
interesting considering Kansas is a team that likes to go up and down, but it was Texas that scored 17 points on fast breaks compared to the five for Kansas. All right, Jack, that's all i got to say about KU Texas. Do you really want to add anything else? Please tell me no. We don't need to. We don't I, need to I dwell on it. No, just then, move forward. Yeah, we don't I'll, need to. I'll just move forward then. Come on. Do you really have any big things? I know some people want to overreact and say that the sky is falling, Kansas getting dominated by Texas is a a sign of what's going to happen in the future, but come on. Yeah, I mean, this it's is just a, one game. It is just one game, and it's also a loss on the road against the top 10 team. Hey, uh, they knew they had the, the conference locked up, even with a loss, right? We saw this morning, Joe Lenardi did not drop them from the number one overall yep. seed. That loss really didn't do much other than it would have been a bonus, right? If you win that game, yep. you could have lost in the first round or the second round of the Big 12 tournament. You still would have had the number one overall seed. Now you got to do a little bit of work in the Big 12 tournament, maybe hope that Houston drops one in the American tournament. But overall, no, not a bad loss. I think it just, you look at it, they're 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. You can always say every game means the most. It's always the most important game. But these guys likely knew uh, that they won the conference already by a game or two, that a loss wasn't going to derail their season. And we saw even Bill Self kind of treat it like that. There was times where Zach Clements yep. is in the gamer, MJ Rice yeah, and Joseph right. Yesfu and Bobby Pettiford are on the floor like, it's about staying healthy. It's about being healthy at the right time. They are still healthy. We have seen a performance like this from Kansas this year. Just go back to their last loss before the seven-game winning streak. They lost to Iowa State in pretty much the exact same way. They weren't really in. It got dominated. They were not shooting the wall, ball well. No, there's nothing where you can take away from this game. It's a bad, ugly loss, but turn the page. It's postseason time. That's right. Just turn the page. There was really nothing in the game there. Only thing I, I said was maybe the – the number one seed in the Midwest region. That might have been the only thing I was worried about, but Joe Lenardi hasn't moved them away from that after Houston getting a buzzer-beating win against Memphis. So I think everything's going to be fine. Just don't lose the first game of the Big 12 tournament, and you're fine. All right, coming up in hour number two, we talked about KUK State. Yesterday it was perfection for Wichita State. Huh? Yeah, I know. I get it. But perfection in one instance, and we'll tell you about it with audio at 302. But up next, state basketball tournament action is taking place this week. Let's get a preview of what Wellington is going to deal with. Wellington girls basketball coach Eric Adams next here on the Pulse on ESPN Wichita. You're tuned into the Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. From the moment you open the bag, through the low and slow grilling, to the very last bite of food, mm. new Kingsford Signature Flavors hardwood pellets tantalize your senses. Kingsford Signature Flavors are made with 100% natural hardwood and 100% real spices to add a whole new rich, full-bodied flavor and aroma to your cookout. New Kingsford Signature Flavors hardwood pellets. Flavor you can see, smell, and taste. Kingsford.com. DQ presents... Picture this. Picture the burger of your dreams. It's on the new DQ Signature Stack Burgers menu. A lineup of five premium burgers like the Flamethrower Signature Stack Burger and Loaded A1 Signature Stack Burger with 100% seasoned real beef patties, melty cheese, and a combo of top-notch toppings and sauces galore. This dream burger is calling your name. (gasps) But it isn't a dream. You're ordering at the DQ drive-thru. The DQ Signature Stack Burgers lineup. Try today. DQ. Happy tastes good. Kelly Blue Book is the one-stop shop for pricing, fixing, selling, and instant cash offering. Instant cash offer is exactly what it sounds like. An official offer to buy or trade your car. Just enter your VIN or license plate. Answer a few questions about your car's history and what kind of condition it's in. In minutes, you'll receive an offer to sell or trade your car that you can be sure is fair. Then choose a dealer to purchase your car and schedule a time to meet. For all of the it's, kbb.com. The IRS, the world's most aggressive collection agency. They can seize your property, bank account, and garnish your wages. They cause sleepless nights for millions of Americans. Don't be one of them. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, get protected today. Call 800-312-9970. Coast One Tax Group, protecting your bank, home, and your sleep since 2008. With hundreds of five-star reviews and an A-plus on the Better Business Bureau. Call Coast One Tax Group, 800 800- 
312-9970. Stanley from New York owed $93,000. The IRS placed a levy on his bank account. Coast One released the levy and settled with the IRS for $2,000. Mark in Michigan owed $225,000. After Coast One stepped in, Mark walked away paying less than $1,500. Call Coast One now. A 10-minute call can save you up to 93% on your back taxes. Get your fresh start today. That's 800-312-9970. Entrepreneurs Wanted. With over 25 years as a commercial real estate leader in Wichita, Occidental Management is proud to support entrepreneurs in the markets we live and work. One such business is Knox Numis, a wealth management advisory group. Our business moved to our new North Rock location, and they seamlessly guided us through the build-out of the space. We couldn't have asked for a better partner. We are committed to providing the best value and quality to the businesses we serve. To learn more, visit OCCMGMT.com or call 316-262-3331. Some more breaking Kansas City Chiefs news. And it involves a defensive lineman this time. And no, it's not Chris Jones. We'll tell you about that coming up in hour number two before we dive into Wichita Statements basketball talk with Craig Porter Jr. We'll have audio from him. Right now, though, we go to the phones. And the reason why we are, it's state basketball tournament time. One of my most favorite times of the year. And the Wellington girls basketball team gets to experience it after winning a sub-state championship. 21-1 and are the Wellington Crusaders, and they take on Bishop Miege in the Class 4A state tournament coming up in this week in Salina. And to talk more about that, we welcome in the head girls basketball coach at Wellington, Coach Eric Adams. Coach, congratulations. How are things going? Going well, Pat. Thanks, and thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's my pleasure, and certainly it's been a fun season this year. Twenty-one and one record, and you guys have been able to do it with some younger players, which seems really unheard of in today's day and age because experience is so so critical. Let's just get your overall thoughts on the season in general. What has really stood out to you? How would you summarize this year at Wellington? Uh, Summarize it by just saying it's been a fun journey. We, first, we have just great we have great kids, and like you said, they're, they're they're very they're very young. We have a lot of freshmen, sophomore on this team, uh, but they're just great kids to be around. They're great in the classroom, and and um, and they understand um, with our program. You know, you wear that jersey, you're representing a lot. Uh, they they've watched these. Uh, they've gone to the state tournament and watched our our teams. Uh, you know, in 2016, 17, and 18, and um, my goodness, they want us to have been like maybe fourth, fifth, sixth graders. And so they just kind of, it's just a group of girls that just uh, kind of dreamt on, on being a Lady Crusader. And so it's just, it's been fun. It's been a fun year. Yeah. Well, let's dive into the the inexperience, the, the, the youthfulness of this team. What is it like in practice when you're coaching these gals? Because... You know, for freshmen and sophomores, you know, sometimes you get in this type of setting and sometimes it can be too big of a setting, but it just seems like these these ladies are just not 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 giving in to that. They're not gonna buy that. It's no, no, this is what we're gonna do. We're here to play basketball. So what's it like in practice with this unit? Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, I'd say November, we when we got them in you know, November. Uh, their basketball high Q is is higher than most freshmen. They play so much. Uh, they play a lot of the AAU circuit, and so their their IQ uh, basketball IQ is very high. So it made the November practices much smoother than they normally would be than with some youth, and so um, uh, that made it easier on the coaching staff uh, getting them uh, implemented with all our with all our do's and don'ts out of our read and react offense and our run and jump press, and so. Uh, uh, that made it a lot easier on us, um, and they've just kind of just uh, like you said. You kind of mentioned that about nothing seems too big for this group. Um, you know, of course, it's a different stage on Thursday night mm-hmm. or Thursday afternoon uh, right. in Salina uh, at the event center, Tony's event center. Bigger stage, uh, obviously, uh, one of if not the top girls program, and uh, as far as tradition goes in, in, in our state with Miege, and so. 
it'll be interesting to see how our, how our young girls or youth handle this. Um, but I would expect nothing but um, um, you're going to get the full effort from these girls. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, Coach, uh, I want to go to the game against Andel to wrap up the regular season. You guys suffered a loss, your first one. And uh-huh. I just want I just want to know what was it like after that because you know it's nice it's it's easy when things are, are going great right when you're winning every single game and dominating so on and so forth but getting that that late loss in a season sometimes that can that can all of a sudden just refocus a group so what did that loss do for this team it did just that uh, the film session uh, so we played them on Thursday night so the film session Friday. Uh, before practice uh, was was one of the better ones I've been a part of in my 10 years or my 11 years here at Wellington. It was uh, the girls were focused. They saw the mistakes that were being made. Uh, they saw how complacent we looked. We still have to give Andale all the credit in the world. That is a heck of a sure, chance going right. to Carolina, by the way. Um, and you just can't do that. But, and we cannot play the way we played against Andale, a senior-laden Andale team. And on a senior night at Andale, it was a recipe for disaster for us. But we, you said it, we got to nitpick little things uh, that we were just uh, seeing. I know the girls probably got a little bit tired of me hitting rewind all the time, hitting rewind. <laughs> and then so they could see things they didn't want to see necessarily, but they took it to the practice floor. Um, uh, you know, 10 minutes later after, uh, after film session, they went on the practice floor and got things corrected, and they got things corrected on Monday, still remembering that film session. So without without question, that loss, as much as you don't want to lose a game, um, it did. It really did benefit us. Well, we're all human, and I, I don't think anyone would love to sit down and listen to someone replay things over and over again, showing your mistakes. No. So uh, no, that's exactly. that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely part of of the learning experience. Well, let's talk a little bit about your your players individually, and hopefully, I'm saying her name correctly, Brett Zika. Maybe it's Zeka. I'm sorry if I said it incorrectly. It is. Uh, you're correct on the first one, Zika. Oh man, this is what happens when I when I second guess myself, Coach. Uh, but Brett <laughs> has had a, a great season. Found Norwood, another great player. Those two really uh, your one-two punch, and then you have Kylan Gregory. So, your thoughts on on them? I know they're kind of the, the headliners, but I know it's not just about them. So, your thoughts on them? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Britt, uh, you mentioned Britt first, so I'll start with Britt. Britt's a, a five-ten sophomore that uh, is a one heck of a three-point shooter. Um, she just, in fact, on Saturday night broke our single season or single season, single game, uh, threes made in the game with seven. Um, when she gets when she gets going, it, she's hard to stop. And so uh, she's a, your typical gym rat. Uh, throughout the summer, she's always finding the gyms, uh, plays it on the AAU circuit. So um, one heck of a player, um, averaging about 13.5 for us and about five rebounds a game. Then Val Norwood is our point guard. She's a 5'8 sophomore. Uh, she can break down uh, uh, j- just about anybody uh, so far. Uh, she has a way of making our open, what we call our open, or a five-out or a four-out offense run smooth. Uh, you need that point card to get things rolling, and she can do that. She's averaging 14 points a game for us. And then uh, Kylan Gregory is a six-foot freshman, um, and she's averaging 11 points and then seven rebounds. And had one heck of a freshman year, and uh, – um, we haven't had quite a post presence like her. Uh, we've had a little size, but nothing quite like Kylan. And like I said, to think that she's um, only a freshman uh, can be scary for for some. So, uh, and she's just an outstanding kid too, and high basketball IQ as well. Yeah, scary and frustrating for all those opposing coaches out there having to deal with Wellington. That's for darn sure. I'm sure they're like, really? Only a freshman? All right, well, this is going to be tough going forward. Well, coming up on Thursday, as you brought up, you're taking on Miege. And Bishop Miege, no matter what the record shows, they are Mm -hmm. always going to be competitive. And they have been used to winning for so many years. So what really stands out about Miege when you take a look at the stags on film? Uh they will just like in the past, but I think it's more more so this year. They want to push the ball and push the ball and push the ball and push the ball even more. Um, their guard play is is just outstanding. It's it's probably the uh, the quickest 
um, and, and most pressure-packed kind of team I've seen in my in my 10 or 11 years. In the past, Miege has had um, some bigs that could uh, you could feed to the post. Uh, this year, that's not so much. Uh, they want to get out, run, uh, run and jump, press you. Um, so it's it's paramount that we handle this pressure, and uh, we also got to get back in our defense and transition. So it, this is a style we kind of like to play too, but it's also um, it's we're going to be smart with it too. Um, there's some things that. You know, we we might have to dial up to switch things up. So, uh, but they are, you know, it's Bishop Miege, and you know, you yeah. can throw that record out. You watch them on game film, and uh, you're like, how, you know, how they have the nine losses because it's it is an outstanding basketball team. Yeah, no doubt. Well, coach, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I know you got practice coming up. Congratulations again, and best of luck to you this week up in Salina. Okay, appreciate it, Pat. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Wellington Girls basketball coach Eric Adams here on the Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Wellington and Bishop Miege. It's the 1-8 battle coming up in Salina on Thursday, 2 o'clock tip. Class 3A level. Cheney is in it. We'll talk to Cheney Girls basketball coach Sarah McCormick coming up in hour number two. And we will talk about Wichita State men's basketball plus the breaking Chiefs news that's just around the corner. It's the Pulse. Don't go anywhere. Here on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.